Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the New York Yankees four, the Cleveland Guardians three. The Yankees in the ninth inning scratch across a run, not only take the game, they also take the series two games to one. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And before we get into the storylines of the game, I want to give a shout out to some of the people that have been leaving five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I cannot thank you enough. Morning people, you have been spectacular this year, uh, you know, hitting up the five-star reviews and people are finding us. People are finding us. Uh, Guardsfan88 said, first listen today. Great recap of the game. There isn't enough Guardians content out there compared to the big market teams. Keep it up. Go Guards. Thank you, Guardsfan88. Greg uh, said, absolutely love the podcast. I'm a morning person, and I watch, listen to every game. So it's great to hear someone else's perspective on the game as the first thing I listen to when I wake up. Very excited for the season and your take on the team. Keep it coming. Go Guards. It seems like the Guards nickname is kind of sticking, isn't it? Um, as opposed to the, the G's or what you know, uh, some other things that people tried last year. I like Gardettos, uh, but I don't think that's going to take off. Uh, Chad said, love it. Glad I discovered this pod. Great way to start my day reviewing the game from the day before. He has a great speaking voice. Thanks, Chad. Is interesting and engaging. I'm astounded how quickly he gets a podcast turned around. I'm ex- I'm astounded every day I get it turned around, Chad. I, I really am. Uh, it was a lot easier uh, before I became a dad. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and then Richie said, go to review of the Guardians games. Great insight. Great perspective. So thank you to our new five-star reviews. You guys really, you're blowing it up. We're an all-five-star reviewed podcast And I can't thank you enough. Clearly, we are reaching new people, and new people are finding us this season. So absolutely awesome. And again, thank you. I wanted to shout you out at the beginning of the episode to make sure you hear it. Thank you very much. All right, let's get into the storylines of this game. And I'm telling you, there's weird things going on with this offense. There's some numbers that look good, and then there's other numbers that look bad. And we're going to get into some of the team numbers in a little bit, Uh, specifically the team numbers with runners in scoring position because there's there's some strange things going on there, and it proves itself in this game. We jump on the Yankees early. We're up 3-0 on them. And then... After, uh, I believe, Will Brennan singles, he's the last one to get a hit, a single in the fourth inning, we do not get another hit the rest of the game. And it ultimately dooms us. Now, if you remember, uh, you know, I got an email, a quick email from Tony uh, about the game today. He said, I knew when we scored two runs in the first inning, we were doomed. Oh, Tony. Oh, that hurts. You know... You know I try to be the, the positive one here in the in the podcast space and Guardians Twitter. I try to be a little optimistic, but uh boy, that's a that's a rough way to view it, man. When uh we scored two runs and you know we're doomed. Oh boy, I'm sorry, man. Uh hopefully hopefully they can hopefully they can prove to you that they that's not going to be a curse the rest of the season. Uh Hopefully they can prove themselves to you a little bit more, Tony. 
uh, that they can follow through and finish these games. Because that's what they're not doing. They're not finishing these games. Three runs are not going to be enough to win. Especially, you know, a lot of the things they did in the offseason were to promote offense, right? But by limiting the shift, by, uh, you know, making the bigger bases so that stealing was easier. And that, you know, they didn't do it necessarily to make stealing easier, but they knew what was going to happen. They knew the stolen base numbers were going to go up by making those bases bigger. Uh, I don't necessarily think the pitch clock helps the batter or the pitcher. I I think it's the person's approach to it, right? If you're a pitcher that can actually, you know, work at that tempo and thrive at that tempo, uh, you know, it might help pitching on the day. So I can't say the pitch clock necessarily helps offense, but the other two definitely do. So scoring three runs, it's it's just not going to be enough. Six hits, it's probably not going to be enough on the day to win baseball games. You've got to find something else in there. You've got to bring a little bit more. Yeah, five walks on the day definitely helped today. No stolen bases today, though. So, yeah, we weren't, you know, we weren't taking advantage that way. And, you know, that's how we won the first game with all those stolen bases. So, yeah, you've got to finish these games. You can't just think jumping for two runs in the first inning is going to be enough. It felt great to score those two runs early. It did. All right. We were all fist pumping. Guardians Twitter was lit. Uh, But you got to finish the game, too. And you let the Yankees hang around a little too long. And they eventually find a way to rally off the young man, Battenfield, which we were definitely going to talk about. Definitely going to talk about his debut. They find a way to get a rally going against him. Uh, They put two runs up on him. And... uh, are able to scratch across another in the seventh, another in the ninth, and suddenly you're you're in the not bottom of the ninth inning, and you're looking up at the Yankees with their closer on the mound. And even then, and even then, they give you an opportunity. They give you an opportunity to win the game. All you need is one hit, and they can't come through. Unfortunately, you know, Quan doesn't really get a chance. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez doesn't really get a chance. That they're walked pretty, you know. It'd be dumb for them to take the, their bat off their shoulders. They, you know, uh, who was out there? That's right, the closer, Clay Holmes, had no command at that point. And so, yeah, you. Why would you take the bat off your shoulder? Let him walk the bases loaded. Ahmed Rosario tried to be a little aggressive. Uh, you know, after taking a called strike on the outside edge. Uh, he tried to be a little more aggressive, and he swings at two and chases two, I'm guessing sliders. Uh, you know, interesting, I saw we were talking about the sweeper. Uh, they were sliders. We were we were talking about the sweeper a few days ago, and Pitching Ninja, if you don't follow him, a great follow on Twitter, great follow on YouTube. The, is the, the, the ultimate conversation about pitching right now runs through his account. And uh, he had a nice video that explained the difference between a slider and a sweeper. Uh, StatCast is recognizing the sweeper, and he credited Corey Kluber a lot with making the pitch popular. Our own Corey Kluber, multiple Cy Young winner, uh, with making this pitch popular. And yeah, it's basically a slider held with a two-seam fastball grip. 
And so the movement in the spin is different. Anytime you see a real horizontal slider, a pitch that looks like it shoots across from arm side to glove side, that's the sweeper. Now, I I bring that up because it's a completely random thought that I saw today, and I wanted to let you know about it, and the thought popped into my brain. I jumped it in right here into the podcast. Go find that video on YouTube, Pitching Ninja, about the sweeper. It's cool. It's really cool, the science of it. Anyways, back to Ahmed Rosario. These were sliders that he chased out of the zone, as he's known to do, and he strikes out with the bases loaded and the game. They can't finish a game right now. So it's it's frustrating. There's good things in this game. There are. But ultimately, it's frustrating. The other moment uh, where uh, they really had a chance was in the... Uh, in the fifth inning, Quan draws a leadoff walk. Rosario lines out at 104.9 miles per hour. It, look, it had a 6.30 expected batting average. Rosario did strike out uh, in this game, but he had some moments. Right, he has the solo home run, which was great to see in the uh, in the third inning uh, to lead off the third inning. He was hitting the ball hard, 102.4 mile per hour exit velocity, 387. Uh, home run on that one. Uh, even in the first inning, his lineout wasn't hit hard, but it had a 770 expected batting average. So Rosario was making contact until you know the moment in the ninth inning. So Quan walks in the fifth. Rosario lines out. Ramirez draws a walk uh, after Quan had uh, moved up to second on a wild pitch. R- Ramirez draws the walk right behind him. Uh, Naylor then would come up, and you got Naylor and Jimenez. You got a chance to add on. You you got something going. You had their pitching on the ropes here because they did not look like they were in command. And he strikes out Naylor, and he strikes out Andres Jimenez. You need those runs. That's where that's the time to add on. That was your opportunity to add on. Put a little insurance runs on this thing. Keep pushing the momentum. Keep pushing that win probability line which might as well be the momentum line in your favor. Because nothing... The win probability line is nice from a statistical point of view, but nothing is holding the win probability line you know, in your favor. If they say at this point in the game, the Guardians had a... I'm making this up. I, I don't feel like clicking all through to find it. An 85% chance of winning the game. There's nothing holding that at 85%. Everything that happens after that is going to affect the line. So you might as well think of it as a momentum line. Because just like the momentum in the ball game, one play from the other team, and it can start to swing the other direction. And that's Frenchy Cordero, home run in the seventh inning. It's a tie game now. And now we're back to 50-50 win probability, right? You know, so, um, yeah, you might as well think of it as momentum. And we had it. We, we had the momentum in this fifth inning. This was a shot. The heart of the lineup coming up again. This was I, I thought this fifth inning was a real chance to blow this game open, and Naylor and Jimenez couldn't get the job done. Uh, it's not one person to blame. As you can see, right, uh, you know, Ahmed Rosario had his chance in the ninth inning. You know, there were multiple opportunities from guys throughout this game. So it's not one person. It's collectively as a team. And I, honest to God, with this off day, I'm sure they're going to probably do a, you know, a walk, you know, a light practice or something on this off day. This is the time for a team meeting. 
you know, I I know we're only 12 games into this season, but uh, 13 games into this season, I, I think it's time for a team meeting. I think it's time to say, what do we have to do to finish these games? What do we have to do to get a real rally going here that we're not doing right now? Um, so uh, that's kind of what was going offensively. I'm, the beginning of the game was fun. Uh, Quan with a leadoff single. Actually, it was Bloop City in the in the first inning. We might as well talk about it. The controversial play in the first inning. Uh, not even controversial play. Just the weird stuff that happened in this game. Uh, Quan with the with the bloop single in the center field. Hicks should have caught it, frankly. Ahmed Rosario lines out. Jose Ramirez bloop shot down the left field line. Drops in for a double. 67 mile per hour exit velocity. 290 expected batting average. And Jose Ramirez just turns it into a double. That's what he does. Uh, and then Naylor comes up. He would bloop one into center field. Again, Hicks comes charging in. Again, he goes into a slide, and again, he can't make the catch, except from the infield to the umpires. Initially on the field, they call it a catch. Now, runners were moving, so he throws the ball to second base. They double off Jose Ramirez. They think they're out of the inning. Then we get into this huge controversy of whether or not Cleveland challenged it or not, and yada, yada, and they're going to review it, but it's taking them forever. Hamilton is vamping on the radio for like 10 minutes at this point. Uh, Boone comes out, purposely gets himself thrown out of the game. Why? Why? At that point in the game, did it really, did he, he felt like he had to defend his team, I guess, but I don't think it really gave the Yankees the momentum or anything like that by him getting rung. It's not like it got the crowd fired up. It wasn't at home. So I don't, I don't know why Boone felt like, cause he clearly could have walked away. He, he had said enough. He made his, you know, he made his point. He could have walked away, but he just stayed out there until someone rung him out of the game. And I, I, I'm not sure what the strategy was there. There are absolutely times to get thrown out. There are. There are times when the manager's just got to go get himself thrown out to show that he's got his team's back, to get the momentum going, to get people fired up. I don't know if the first inning, the first run of the game is really that moment. Um, so it takes him forever, but it goes as a single. The run comes across to score. Jimenez did not have a good game batting in the fifth hole. He, Francona did not leave him in the second hole in the lineup. It went back to Rosario, uh, when he came back to the lineup, but Jimenez at least stays in the top five, not his best game, uh, ends up going 0 for four with two strikeouts, five runners left on base. But, uh, I believe, I think we all want him there. He's going to have his ups and downs. In, in fact, he's he's kind of a late-inning guy anyways. So I'm not shocked he strikes out here in the first inning. Uh, I'm shocked later in the game he didn't come through with a big hit. But Josh Bell comes through. Uh, he had a, the double in the ninth inning uh, two nights ago. He comes through in this day game and uh, gets the single through the right side, just chops one through and brings in that second run to score. Then, like I said, the solo home run, uh, frankly, Rosario got one right down the pipe. I, I went to look. The catcher was set up for a low away fastball, and this ball came right down the middle. And, yeah, he shoots it out in the right field for a solo home run. Boy, the temperature warms up. I said it on Twitter. Temperature warms up. Those Guardians bats tend to warm up, too. So a beautiful day in Cleveland, and Ahmed Rosario finally hits a home run, our first of the entire homestand, which is ridiculous. Our first home run of the season in progressive field. Uh, and then the Yankees start getting things going in the fifth inning. 
uh, three singles in a row, uh, and they're able to get runs across. And then there's the crazy play, though. Uh, Higashioka single, the third one. Yes, Oswaldo Cabrera comes in to score. Connor Falefa is rounding third. The throw comes in for center field from the relay man, and it hits the umpire in the side of the head. Crazy weird play. It allows Connor Falefa to come in to score. The umps are part of the field, right? It's just like any other sport, football, hockey, the the refs, the umps, whoever they are. If the, the ball hits them, it hits them. They're part of the field. And uh, just terrible Terrible timing, t- uh, terrible situation. Poor guy. Uh, you know, the, uh, he's an older guy and took it right in the side of the head. So I actually didn't even see. I didn't see anything about whether he was okay, I, concussion, what you know, whatnot. Uh, hopefully, he's just got a you know a wicked bruise and uh, and that'd be the end of it. But uh, that it's tough because not only did you injure the umpire, not only did you hit an old man with the baseball on the side of the head, which is bad enough, but it allowed another run to come in to score. Uh, so, yeah. So, they get their two runs in the fifth. Like I said, they added theirs on the Frenchy Cordero home run. Same situation. Uh, Trevor Steffen is in the pitch. Same situation where the ball ends up in the middle of the plate. The catcher was set up uh, away. Uh, Gallagher was set up for a pitch away. And Steffen puts one right down the pipe. And Frenchy Cordero, this, this guy's pretty good. 112.7 mile per hour exit velocity, 439, 1,000 expected batting average. So yeah, they get theirs. And then in the ninth inning, um, you know it's a little small ball. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton was single, uh, deep in the hole to Ahmed Rosario, whose throw we would skip a throw. Bell can't scoop it. It ends up in the photo base. Stanton ends up on second with a throwing error. And uh, so it's a single, then an error that allows them to go to second. They bring in the pinch runner. After Franchi Cordero strikes out this time, Oswaldo Cabrera shoots a single off the right field wall. Again, another situation where Classe is in in a non-save situation. And it's just, it's not the same. It's just not the same with this guy if it's not a save situation. We've seen it so many times with closers and it just blows my mind. How it happens again to Classe here. So he gives up the go-ahead run. And like I said, we loaded the bases without a hit. Hit by pitch. Walk. Two-out walk. Two-out walk. And then he strikes out Rosario. So, oh, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating the way this game went down. Because it started so positively. It started such good things. I, Unlike uh, Tony, when they scored two runs in the first inning, I was ecstatic. I didn't think we were doomed. I didn't know it was coming. Tony did, um, apparently. So let's talk about the one really good thing from this game, and then we'll get to those team stats I was talking about. Uh, let's talk about Peyton Battenfield because he pitches very well. Unfortunately, he, he, he gets into trouble in that fifth inning. I really wanted him to get through five, so he was had a chance for the win. But uh, Francona pulls him at 66 pitches, four and two-thirds, four hits, two runs, only one earned, uh, no walks, and three strikeouts. No walks and no home runs in your Major League debut. He's hard at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Now, we talked yesterday. If you listened through yesterday's episode, even though that game was brutal, we had some, we had a lot of fun stuff in that episode. 
If you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, go back and check it out because we did all sorts of things. We played Where Are They Now with X-Guardians. We looked at team stats. We looked at what was going on in Columbus. By the way, the Clippers crushed tonight. I'm, I'm recording this one late at night. They crushed. Uh, Bo Naylor had a grand slam. Palacios. Collins had grand home runs. Uh, beat them, I think, 10-5. to A uh, big offensive day for the Columbus Clippers. So yeah, so go listen to yesterday's episode. One of the things we talked about is the, what you know we could find as far as scouting reports go on Battlefield, who, if you remember, came over in the Jordan Luplo trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, got called up but didn't pitch last season, so this is his Major League debut. And the cutter was graded as his best pitch, and then the curveball was next. Well, guess, again, I tweeted this out, guess what pitch he threw 48% of the time? It was his cutter, 32 cutters, 21 four-seam fastballs, 12 curves, one changeup. The whiff rate, I told you the cutter and the curveball were graded at his, as his best pitches, right? Well, he had 12 whiffs on 20 swings on his cutter, including striking out Aaron Judge in the first inning, his first major league strikeout on five cutters, just all down at the knees or below the strike zone. Just a bunch of low cutters, and he strikes out Aaron Judge. Uh, Add in one called strike, it's a 41% CSW. 60% whiff rate, 41% CSW. Called strikes plus whiffs on that pitch. On the curveball, it's three whiffs on five swings for, again, a 60% whiff rate on that pitch. Five called strikes on the curveball as well is good for a 67% CSW a 33% CSW total on the day on all his pitches. And they told us, they told us in the scouting report, it's cutter first, then the curveball as far as the quality of those pitches. And that's exactly what Bannonfield used today. Now it's interesting. Uh, Cam Gallagher was calling the game behind the plate. If you remember when Hunter Gaddis had that good start against Oakland, Cam Gallagher was calling the game. When Hunter Gaddis had the bad start against the Yankees, Gallagher wasn't in there. i starting to think that Gallagher should be in there with these rookie pitchers, with these young pitchers, right? I mean, the data is starting to prove out that way. And uh, Banfield, as far as location goes, uh, was kind of using all four quadrants. Uh, was throwing that cutter really all over the place, being able to hit anywhere in the strike zone. He was just throwing a ton of strikes, really attacking with the curveball. He was throwing it in the strike zone, obviously got a lot of called strikes on it, uh, attacking uh, the four-seam fastball, a little too many of them grouped right down the middle of the plate for my liking, but was able to get to all four quadrants with the four-seam fastball. So uh, nice to see a guy come out, Major League debut, and just attack and just be aggressive, being able to hit the edges a lot. Uh, with the cutter, he's able to hit that glove side edge a bunch of times. And with the four-seam fastball, uh, the outer edge of the plate, is able to hit the knees, is able to hit the bottom of the strike zone a bunch of times with that cutter and with that curveball. So it's a good pitch mix from Banfield. I think you all have to be a little bit impressed and relieved with what Banfield had here, uh, especially with Hunter Gatta struggling the day before. Uh, you know, Xavier Curry is still kind of pitching in long relief right now. Uh, it's good to know that we've we've got these reserves in pitching. And, and I know you, a lot of you want to see Logan T. Allen and Tanner Bibby, and they're they're definitely going to get their opportunities this season. I mean, we're we're two weeks into the season, and we've already seen how many 
You know, rookies make their debut or, or their second go around uh, as far as Gaddis and Xavier Curry are concerned. So Logan T. Allen, Bibby, they're going to get their opportunities. It's coming. But uh, not that I'm rooting for any of our starters to get injured. It's just it's how a season works. Plus, don't forget, there's going to be rainouts. There's going to be plenty. The weather ain't going to be like this all April in Cleveland. There's going to be rainouts. There will be doubleheaders. Uh, these guys will get their opportunities. So I think Baddenfield, I think he earns another start, right? I, I think you just keep him in the rotation for the next time Savali Spock comes around and he gets another crack at it. So good stuff out of him. All right, I think that wraps up all my thoughts on this game. MVP on the day. I got to go Baddenfield. I got to go for a great Major League debut. Uh, You know, the bullpen couldn't hold it for him. Uh, He's not in there long enough to get the win, but but a really, really solid debut there, Uh, especially with the no walks. That really impresses me. No walks, no home runs. That really impresses me. On your debut there. Uh, you know, there were a few people that contributed offensively, but frankly, everybody had one hit. Yeah, Quan was on base three times. That's great to see. Two walks and a hit and the run scored. It should have been more. It should he should have had way more runs scored. He, he was getting on. He was ready. Uh, maybe some stolen bases in there could have helped today, but uh yeah. MVP on the day going to Peyton Battenfield. All right. I teased it at the top of the show. I got some team stats for you before I get out of here. Um, With runners in scoring position, I dug through baseball reference to figure out how to pull this up. And I finally figured out how to pull this up. So these are the team numbers with runners in scoring position. And the Guardians batting average with runners in scoring position is 20th in all of baseball. 254 batting average. The Cubs are hitting 372 with runners in scoring position. That's crazy. Uh, as far as OPS goes, the Guardians come in at 22nd in all of baseball. They've had one home run with a runner in scoring position. A 7.05 OPS, 22nd in baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays have over 1,000 OPS with runners in scoring position. Now what's helping our slugging percentage a little bit is we do have 10 doubles at least with a runner in scoring position. So, uh, that doesn't sound great. Not good to be in the bottom third of the league with runners in scoring position. However, however, we are fifth in hits, which just means how, how can our batting average be 20th in the league, but we're fifth in hits with 31. Chicago Cubs are leading the league with 35. Well, We've played more games. I, this does not include today's numbers. Uh, this is at 12 games played. We're at 13 games played so far. It's a reason I don't like to do this show at night too often because baseball reference and fan graphs don't update their stuff until the next day. Uh, so this does not include today. 31 hits. So that just means it shows you how many more opportunities we've had with runners in scoring position. We've had 152 plate appearances. The Cubs have only had 106 so sometimes batting average can be a little misleading. Um, but, you know, still 152 plate appearances and we're not getting the job done as well as the Cubs have been with their 106 plate appearances. Now, what about runs scored? We're actually fourth with runners in scoring position, runs scored with 49. We're fourth in all of baseball behind Texas, Tampa Bay, and Chicago Cubs. 
Texas is leading at 52, so we're three runs behind. But again, we've had almost 40 more opportunities, 40 or 50 more opportunities than those other teams ahead of us. Now, how if we're not necessarily getting the hits, how are we getting those runs scored? Well, uh, again, stolen bases help. We lead the league in stolen bases with runners in scoring position. Uh, and then uh, sack flies. We lead the league in sacrifice flies. And that's a run. I mean, hey, that's a productive out. We have eight sacrifice flies on the season to Pittsburgh and New York Mets and LA Dodgers that all have six. So it doesn't make the batting average look great. It doesn't make the OPS look great. But does get the job done. So that's why I said it's a little bit frustrating, right? It's a little bit strange. Some of these numbers don't look great. Other of these numbers, okay, not too shabby. But what it shows to me is a team that's good at getting one run across, they're not great at putting up those crooked numbers, right? We're not seeing two-run, three-run grand slams, right? Two-run, three-run home runs. We're not seeing big crooked rallies. Those sack flies also, you, you kind of lose a little momentum with them. You get that run home, but it's not really moving the inning along. It's not keeping that line moving. Uh, you're sacrificing it out for that run, which is nice in the moment, but you're not putting up crooked numbers because of it. So I think this data, anyone who's watched the first two weeks is going to look at this data and go, yeah, I, I see it. I see it because we're just not getting those big innings. We're not running away with things. Even when we get runners in scoring position, which we have been a lot, we're just not blowing these games wide open. So, uh, you know, I love it when the data can back up the eye test and the gut and what we're seeing on the field. So I thought that information was really, really valuable at this point of the season. We'll see how this develops. Still very young in the season. You know, this team offensively can get very hot when the weather warms up and all this data can totally be flipped around and different by by the all-star break. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll come back to it. We'll see what happens here. So that's all my thoughts today. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you for all those five-star reviews. Again, thank you, everybody out there. That is awesome. Keep spreading the word about the show. Let's keep growing this community Keep emailing in your thoughts on the game like Tony did. Uh, even if you feel like we're doomed, it's okay. Email in. We'll discuss it on the show. Remember, the Guardians have an off day before they head to Washington for a Friday night game, which means our podcast won't be back until Saturday morning. So again, the final from Cleveland. The Yankees take the series with a 4-3 to win. I hate losing to the Yankees, too. Man, I hate it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. There's a link in the show notes. You can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.